episode 19 let's talk about the factor 8 deficiency that is hemophilia it is an excelling recessive disorders associated with recurrent hematrosis bleeding into the joints as seen in the above patient uh, there was a patient who was having the bleeding in the joints so yeah i am talking about that patient only treatment is factor 8 replacement recombination factor 8 the infusion through a port is done however inhibitor development occurs in approximately 25% of the patient with severe hemophilia a frequent and spontaneous bleeding as a complication of the treatment can be there the immune system recognizes the infused factors as foreign and forming antibodies and therefore interferes the factor functions therefore an inhibitor should be suspected when a patient with hemophilia on the factor replacement therapy develops increased bleeding frequency or hemorrhage refractory to the treatment okay so you have to think about the inhibitor presence of the inhibitor in that case in addition because factor 8 belongs to the intrinsic coagulation pathway prolonged ptt will be there but there will be normal pt okay also if occurs factor 8 uh, is also if there is factor 8 inhibition then you see the same finding prolonged ptt and normal pt regular screening for inhibitors development is performed when patient with severe hemophilia receive factor infusions as well as when an inhibitor is clinically suspected treatment of an acute bleeding in a patient with inhibitor develop development often involves bypassing product example recombinant activated factor 7 and activated prothrombin complex concentrate such agent work downstream in coagulation cascade to promote the clotting without need for the factor 8 okay so yeah um in this case what we do is we know that uh, factor 8 is required but factor 8 is required to make another factor active so instead we can use the another active factor only for the treatment of this patient so yeah we can give them factor 7 or also we can give them prothrombin complex concentrate so that will help the patient yeah let's talk about acquired von beriberian disease is a disorder of the platelet dysfunctions with bruising and mucosal bleeding and in this there will be no hematrosis so this is not the answer fibrinogen that is factor 1 is commonly the final coagulation path is a is a common factor for the final coagulation pathway and the dysfunctions causes prolonged pt and ptt in this patient pt is normal so therefore it's not the answers and uh, heparin induced thrombocytopenia is due to the auto antibodies against the heparin and we see especially this especially after the transfusion of heparin but in this case there was no heparin transfusion next question is a 50 year old woman is evaluated in the post anesthetic care due to sudden onset of the severe nausea and right flank pain The patient underwent total abdominal hysterectomy and the tumor debuffling for metastatic ovarian cancer. The procedure was complicated by bleeding and the ureteral laceration was also there. Okay, that was uh, repaired intraoperatively. Immediately after her hemoglobin level was dropped to six point eight gram per deciliter, a pack cell of the red blood cells was initiated ten minutes ago. Now, in addition to nausea and right flank pain, he she has developed uh, pain and oozing from the IV side too. Okay, you see that there is oozing from the IV side. Temperature is one hundred and one degree Celsius and blood pressure is ninety by fifty pulses. One thirty and his patient is twenty six. Cardiac examination reveals tachycardia and weak pulse. The lungs are clear bilaterally. The skin examination is normal. The urine is dark. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? Uh, which of the following is the most likely to establish a diagnosis in this patient? So what one must do? Either we should do blood culture, or we should do cystography, or direct Coombs test, or IgA level, or renal ultrasound. So what is to be done? so according to me we should do direct coombs agent and that's the correct answer because this patient has acute hemolytic transfusions of which is 
देयर वे भी ए बी ओ इनकम्पैटिबिलिटी और विच लीड्स टू इंट्रावेस्कुलर हिमोलिसिस सो इन एक्यूट हिमोलिटिक ट्रांसफ्यूजन रिएक्शन ए बी ओ इनकम्पैटिबिलिटी इज देयर विच लीड्स टू इंट्रावेस्कुलर हिमोलिसिस क्लिनिकल फाइंडिंग इज ऑनसेट अकर्स विद इन ट्वेंटी विद इन फ्यू मिनट्स टू ट्वेंटी फोर आवर्स ऑफ द ट्रांसफ्यूजन सो या हियर इट वॉज टेन मिनट्स फीवर एंड चिल्स एंड हाइपर टेंशन वे भी देयर एंड हीमोग्लोबिन यूरिया एंड फ्लैंग पेन कैन ऑल्सो भी देयर लेबोरेटरी फाइंडिंग्स इंक्लूड्स अ पॉजिटिव डायरेक्ट होम स्टेस हीमोलिसिस एंड इंक्रीज एल डी एच एंड इंक्रीज इन डायरेक्ट बिलरूबिन कॉम्प्लिकेशन इज एक्यूफ्रीनल फेलियर एंड डिसमिनेटेड इंट्रावस्कुलर कोआगुलेशन दिस पेशेंट विद फीवर एंड फ्लैंग पेन एंड डार्क यूरिन टेन मिनट्स आफ्टर ट्रांसफ्यूजन इज हैविंग एन एक्यूट हिमोलिटिक ट्रांसफ्यूजन रिएक्शन रेयर बट अ पोटेंशियल फेटल रिएक्शन ड्यू टू द ट्रांसफ्यूजन ऑफ द मिसमैच ब्लड दट इज एबीओ इनकम्पैटिबिलिटी द मोस्ट कॉमन एटियोलॉजी इज क्लरिकल एरर दैट इज द पेशेंट वॉज मिस आइडेंटिफाइड और समथिंग ओके नाउ एक्यूट हिमोलिटिक ट्रांसफ्यूजन रिएक्शन टिपिकली अकर्स विद इन मिनट्स टू आर्स ऑफ द ट्रांसफ्यूजन ड्यू टू द होस्ट एंटीबॉडी अटैकिंग दी डोनर्स एंटीबॉडी इफ आई एम दी होस्ट देन द सम वन हु इज गिविंग मी दी ब्लड माई एंटीबॉडी विल अटैक टू हिज एंटीबॉडी ओके हिज एंटीजेंस द रिजल्ट इज अ मैसिव रेड ब्लड सेल्स डिस्ट्रक्शन विच लीड्स टू इंट्रावेस्कुलर हिमोलिसिस विच लीड्स टू टॉक्सिक हिमोग्लोबिन बिल्डअप इन दी किडनी एंड दिस अल्टीमेटली कॉजेज दी रीनल ट्यूबुलर सेल इंजरी एंड सब्सिक्वेंटली लीडिंग टू एक्यूट रीनल फेलियर देयर फोर फाइंडिंग दैट राइजेज अ सस्पेशन ऑफ एक्यूट हिमोलिटिक ट्रांसफ्यूजन रिएक्शन इंक्लूड्स द फ्लैंग पेन एंड डार्क यूनिट एट इज हिमोग्लोबिन यूरिया अलॉग विद फीवर टेकिकार्डिया हाइपर टेंशन हाइपर टेंशन इज बिकॉज ऑफ द इन्फ्लेमेटिव साइटोकाइन रिलीज एंड शॉर्टली फॉलोइंग अ ट्रांसफ्यूजन ओके The patient may also have an elevated lactate dehydrogenase level because of the hemolysis and disseminated intravascular coagulation can also be there because of the oozing and how you identify that is having DIC because there will be oozing from the intravenous sites diagnosis of the acute hemolytic transfusion reaction is a with a positive direct home stress reflecting the antibody coating the RBC cells RBCs and the management includes the immediate cessation of the transfusion aggressive intravenous fluid administration and supportive care okay Next question is the blood culture and the antibiotics are indicated for the transfusion transmitted bacterial infections and yeah we are not uh, looking for this because if it was there then you must have an UTI which after the words present with fever and tachycardia and hypotension and all these things and there is no such feature of this okay next is the cystoscopy and renal ultrasonography is used to identify an urinary tract obstruction cause or renal mass would be there okay that flank pain and dark urine but this is not the case associated in this patient IgA levels uh, is suspected only if the patient is having anaphylactic reactions okay which occurs within seconds to minutes not it doesn't take 10 minutes or hours okay going on to the next question a 4 week old girl is brought to the clinic for hospitalization follow up her mother moved to greece to united states for a diplomatic positions a few months prior to giving birth okay she was in greece and now she is here The patient was born at term and the mother's paternal course and delivery was uncomplicated. Due to hyperbilirubinemia, the patient was in the nursery for three weeks of phototherapy. Bilirubin was normal at discharge. Since discharge, the girl's skin and eyes have remained yellow. Maternal blood type is AB and Rh and TD positive. Infant blood type is A type A and it's Rh and TD positive. Okay, the patient has. been breastfeeding exclusively weight and length were 58 percentile percentile at 2 weeks of the age and remaining 58 percentile today itself okay however results are today's result of the cbcr hemoglobin is 9 mean corpuscular volume is 78 reticulocyte count is 15 that is there is hemolysis okay and platelets is uh, 2 lakh 25000 leukocyte count is 9000 okay 
total bilirubin is 6.5 direct bilirubin is 0.4 hematology says mean corpus color hemoglobin concentration is 40 percent so which of the following is the most likely cause of this patient conditions so since uh, mean corpus color hemoglobin concentration is increased the answer should be hereditary spherocytosis so hereditary spherocytosis autosomal dominant disorder northeastern european descent and hemolytic anemia jaundice spinomegaly are the features increased mean corpus color hemoglobin concentration negative coombs test spherocytosis on peripheral smear increased osmotic fragility acid 5 glycerol test and also used in five melate uh, five uh, melamide binding test is there treatment folic acid supplementation blood transfusion and splenectomy this infant has joined the hemolytic anemias and elevated mean corpus color hemoglobin concentration consistent with the hereditary spirocytosis. Hereditary spirocytosis is due to inherited defect in the red blood cells, membrane proteins, pectin and enchirin. And we know that there is a defect, therefore uh, the RBC are fragile. Newborn with uh, hereditary spirocytosis will have the hyperbilirubinemia and they will require the phototherapy. Although the physiologic jaundice is expected in the first uh, week of the life due to increase in the RBC turnover since the RBC has shortened lifespan in case of newborn and decreased bilirubin clearance is also there in newborn so therefore you see physiologic jaundice but if it is severe and prolonged that is for more than one week then you raise a suspicion of their uh, hemolytic anemias and there was a hemolytic anemias because it was more than two weeks okay in this case reticulocyte count will be increased and mchc is if increased then it is due to the membrane disorders and also rbc dehydration and the patient is having the spirocytosis that is hereditary spirocytosis treatment is primarily supportive and the rbc and exchange transfusion can be considered for the infant with severe hemolysis now if we talk about the abo incompatibility it refers to hemolysis when the mother of the blood type o transfers anti a or anti b antibody to her fetus of non-matching blood type a b or ab okay now in this case the maternal antibody is AB therefore the mother has no anti-A or anti-B so uh, to cause the hemolysis in the fetus so it's, it's fine now it's fine okay now beta thalassemia causes the defect in the beta globulin gene and we know everything about that and it is seen mainly in the Mediterranean heritage not in the Greece place feeding breastfeeding failure jaundice present in the first week of the life okay with indirect and non-hemolytic bilirubin hyperbilirubinemia due to inadequate breast milk intake resulting in significant weight loss patient present with di uh, jaundice despite of having an appropriate weight gain okay yeah but this patient was having jaundice therefore therefore that was not the answer and gc3 is also not the answer moving on to the next question which is a 24 year old woman has a tense week of gestations comes to the office for evaluation of the thrombocytopenia she was found to have a platelet count of 90,000. okay and at her initial prenatal visit the patient has no known history of the bleeding disorder she has an episode of epistaxis during her childhood but uh, not none since then okay and uh, had never had other bleeding disorders prior to her pregnancy her menses occurs monthly and lasted for four to five days with a light vaginal bleeding the patient has no other medical conditions and takes no medications she drank alcohol occasionally but stopped after the home pregnancy test positive there is no significant family history of the blood disorders or cancers. Vital signs are within normal limit. Physical examination shows no enlarged impedinopathy or hepatosplenomegaly. Reminder of the physical examination is unremarkable. Repeated platelet count is 98,000. It has a little bit increase. Okay, peripheral blood smear shows. What do you see in the peripheral blood smear? So, in peripheral blood smear, blood smear what we see is that there is a, a microcytic hypochromic anemias and also these uh, platelets are aggregated closely and yeah and there is a dot here again okay there is no such uh, cells or something yeah fine so which of the following is the most likely diagnosis so we have to find out what is the diagnosis okay thrombocyte okay because what you see here the platelets are in clumps okay so 
the this patient has mild thrombocytopenia with no associated symptoms of bruising mucocutaneous bleeding and no personal or family history of the bleeding diastasis and no abnormality on the physical findings and the peripheral blood smear shows a large clumps of the platelet this present rise in suspicion of the pseudo thrombocytopenia pseudo thrombocytopenia is a laboratory error error usually caused by the platelet aggregation in vitro most cases are due to incompletely mixed blood samples or the presence of the serum antibody to the ethylene dioxide tetraacetate that is if antibodies in if the serum contains the antibodies for edta then what happens is this platelet get aggregated and uh, which is, this is an anticoagulant used in an hematologic testing the error is generally identified when a patient with mild thrombocytopenia has peripheral blood smear evidence of a large clumps of the platelets drawing blood sample in the tube with non edta anticoagulant that is heparin or cit uh, sodium citrate normalize the automated platelet count and confirms the diagnosis okay so this is simply a chemical uh, laboratory error pseudo thrombocytopenia where you see that the platelets are clumped together and it occurs because the patients uh, develop the antibody against that edta and since the edta is not working the platelet clumps or it is it can be because of the improper mixing of the blood along with the edta so this too leads to the uh, platelet clumping error but how we confirm this thing or how we diagnose simply that the patient is having pseudo thrombocytopenia we instead of adding the edta we add heparin sodium citrate and then we see that the platelet count is normalized so yeah this is this proves because patients with pseudo thrombocytopenia do not have true thrombocytopenia they do not require interventions or monitoring okay now moving on to the next thing which is the gestational thrombocytopenia which is the most common cause of thrombocytopenia during the pregnancy it is generally mild and does not cause the maternal or fetal morbidity however gestational thrombocytopenia usually arise in the second half of the pregnancy not at the 10th week okay second half of the pregnancy you must remember that the peripheral blood smears would reveals a paucity of the platelets okay? and uh, in the peripheral blood smears of the gestational thrombocytopenia you will see less platelets not the clumping okay next is the glanzman thrombocytopenia which is an autosomal recessive disorder associated with impaired platelet aggregations patient generally have mucocutaneous bleeding and normal platelet count and no platelet clumping on the peripheral blood smear so if you see no platelet clumping and normal peripheral clump but still bleeding disorders there so this is because of the quality of the platelet that means there is some defect so defect in the platelet aggregation so that is glanzman thrombocytopenia next is the idiopathic thrombocytopenic purpura uh, what we see is tenfold more common in the pregnant than the general population usually present with mild thrombocytopenia patient are asymptomatic and have no history of bleeding disorders however peripheral blood smears would show paucity of the platelets and not the platelet clumping okay vitamin b12 deficiency occasionally causes the mild thrombocytopenia and leukopenias however the peripheral blood smear usually shows hypersegmented necrocytic anemia okay macrocytic platelet clumping would not be there and von merewitin disease is an inherited disorder we know everything about that next is the a 64 year old women comes to the office for evaluations of the painless neck lump his she is having painless neck lump okay the patient first noticed the right sided uh, neck swelling in a month ago she has not had fever chills cough shortness of breath but has decreased appetite and weight loss okay so there it may be tuberculosis or some sort of uh, tumor maybe or medical history is significant for obesity type 2 diabetes mellitus and non alcoholic fatty liver disease the patient has smoked a packet of cigarette daily for past 29 years she drinks alcohol socially and uh, vital signs are within normal limits physical examination reveals 2 cm hard non tender cervical lymph node uh, right to the submandibular gland okay right to the submandibular gland 
and there is no other lymphadenopathy the lungs are clear to auscultations and the heart are normal the abdomen is soft and non tender mild hepatomegaly is present the remainder examination is normal the fine needle aspiration from the lymph node reveals the squamous cell carcinoma which of the following is the most likely most helpful to establish the primary source of the malignancy in this patient so what you must do to identify the primary source of the malignancy either you should do the abdominal ct scan or you should do the breast imaging or you should do colonoscopy laryngo uh, laryngoscopy or uh, liver biopsy or thyroid ultrasonography so what should be done in this patient okay so she is having a neck mass submandibular gland so i think we should go for thyroid maybe because weight loss is there appetite is decreased so it may be a hypothyroidism condition hypothyroidism has increased weight weight gain is there uh let's just take it out okay so for this question we have to do the laryngopharyngoscopy because malignancy is extremely likely in the patient with persistent that is uh, more than 2 weeks and palpable that is more than 1.5 cm firm neck mass okay who has a smoking history and uh, no history of preceding infection by far the most common malignancy to manifest is an upper cervical lymph node in the mucosal head and neck squamous cell carcinoma the head and neck squamous cell carcinoma in the patient with significant history of alcohol and tobacco use as in this patient because he was having smoking history so that means tobacco only the first and the only apparently manifestations is palpable cervical lymph node which represent regional nodal metastasis okay so yeah he is having an head and neck tumor and you see only one palpable lymph node cervical lymph nodes which is the first finding and the only finding in case of uh, regional metastasis of any head and neck cap squamous cell carcinoma identification of the primary source of the squamous cell carcinoma is a paramount uh, important because it directs all the treatment decisions although the squamous cell carcinoma can originate from many sites such as skin uterine cervix upper upper esophagus the vast majority of the cervical nodal squamous cell carcinoma arises from the mucosal surface of the head and neck that is nasopharynx oral cavity oropharynx or larynx so throughout the examination and through the uh, throughout the examination for the structures one must do the endoscopic visualization which is done with the help of laryngopharyngoscopy okay so that was the answer now the abdominal malignancies such as the stomach pancreas colon and ovaries can spread via the thoracic duct to the left supraclavicular lymph node virtuous node so if you see that there was a virtuous node node present supraclavicular lymphadenopathy was there so that ominous sign of a stomach pancreatic or ovarian or colon malignancies okay but this time it was submandibular not supraclavicular okay next is the however most of these abnormal malignancies are associated with adenocarcinoma rather than squamous cell carcinoma in addition submandibular lymphadenopathy reflects lymphatic drainage from the head and neck rather than the thoracic duct okay so it makes abdominal malignancy less likely next is the breast cancer although breast cancers commonly affect the axillary and internal mammillary lymph node it occasionally metastasizes to cervical lymph node also however it generally affects the supraclavicular lymph nodes rather than the submandibular lymph nodes and uh, most common type of the breast cancers are adenocarcinoma not the squamous cell carcinoma next is the hepatomegaly hepatomegaly can sometimes reflect the liver neoplasm either primary that is hepatocellular carcinoma or metastatic hepatocellular carcinoma typically metastatic to lung portal vein and portal lymph nodes and unlikely to the cervical lymphadenopathy therefore this not this is not the answer thyroid cancer metastasis to cervical nodes is there okay 
However, thyroid cancers are uh, papillary, follicular, medullary, anaplastic, not squamous. So that was the point. So squamous cell carcinoma in a cervical lymph node, especially smoker, most likely to have mucosal head and neck cancer and primary site requires the examination with the help of laryngopharyngoscope. Next question is, a 7-year-old Vietnamese boy is brought to the clinic for a routine health exam maintenance examination. He underwent splenectomy a year ago. A year ago. Persistent anemia jaundice was there. He has uh, received um, meningococcal and the pneumococcal vaccinations and take penicillin prophylaxis. His parent died from the complications of the hemolytic uremic syndrome 20, 35 years ago. Physical examination uh, reveals a well-appearing child. The sclera is anicteric, the abdomen is soft and non-tender, there is no palpable mass and uh, several well-healed la laparoscopic scars are noted. CBC is 11.3 gram per deciliter hemoglobin, 3% reticulocyte count, 1,60,000 platelet and leukocyte is uh, 8,200. Peripheral blood smears with uh, right staining shows an exhibit that have the... Uh, cells of rbcs which had spewed dots in them and also there is a some sort of a smudge type of cells but it's not that uh, cll okay the findings of this patient is most likely related to, related to which of the following so yeah i think that is hobble jolly body because the patient has undergone splenectomy so in hobble jolly body what happens is we see the nuclear remnant so this patient has a single round blue inclusions within the red blood cells on the peripheral smear consistent with the Hubble Jolly body. These bodies are retained RBC nuclear remnant that typically is removed by the spleen. The presence of the Hubble Jolly body usually indicates either the absence of the spleen, asplenia or congenital absence or surgical removal of the functional or functional hyposplenemia due to autoinfarction such as sickle cell disease or infiltrative disorders of the spleen such as sarcoidosis or splenic condition because of the thrombosis. Both splenia and hyposplenism, functional hyposplenism, increases the risk of the sepsis because the spleen is normally responsible for clearing the bacteria, especially encapsulated bacteria. However, splenectomy may be indicated in cases of chronic hemolysis. Okay, so yeah, this was Hobble Jolly body. That's it, and you must know that Hobble Jolly body is a nuclear remnant. In G6PD, you see bite cell where we see the Heinz body, and Heinz body is the peripheral blue inclusions. It's Crystal violet staining, not the right stainings. Okay. Next is the target cells. There is a due to decreased hemoglobin production. Just to sites we also know basophilic stripling. Basophilic stripling is seen in many conditions, and the basophilic stripling represent the ribosomal uh, ribonucleic acid. Okay. Yeah. Moving on to the next conditions, which is the 26-year-old man is brought to the hospital after a motor vehicle accident collisions the patient was found unconscious at the scene and was intubated on the way to the hospital initial imaging shows left-sided epidural hematoma multiple rib fractures and pelvic fractures he was uh, immediately taken to the operating room for epidural hematoma evacuation during the resuscitation in the post-operative period he received four liters of the intravenous fluid three units of the red black packed red blood cells although he was hemodynamically stable on day one the nurse report that on day two, uh, there is reduced urine output. In addition, the patient is oozing from the patient's venipuncture site and also around the surgical wound. Which of the following is the most likely cause of the bleeding in this patients? So yeah, what is happening? Uh, why there is bleeding in this patients? So it can be consumptive coagulopathy. He might have undergone DIC. So answer is true. 
disseminate intramuscular coagulation major causes are sepsis traumatic severe traumatic injury malignancies or obstructive complications so yeah here here there was severe traumatic injury otherwise sepsis and malignancy and obstructive complication can also cause dic pathophysiology includes the procoagulant uh, excessively triggering triggers the coagulation cascade formation of the fibrin and platelet rich thrombi and fibrinolysis are there bleeding and organ damage can be there example kidney and lung laboratory findings include thrombocytopenia prolonged pt and ptt and there is decreased fibrinogen level increased dimer level microangiopathic hemolytopenia also present with cystocytes the patient oozing from the venous puncture sites and reduced urine output after a serious traumatic injury raises a strong suspicion for dic which is a consumptive coagulopathy traumatic injury increases risk of dic due to the endothelial exposure to the tissue factors and also tissue damage release the procoagulants proteins and phospholipids and another common cause of dic includes the sepsis malignancies and obstructive complication dic is marked by over activations of the coagulation cascade leading to the formation of fibrin and platelet thrombi and the consumptions of the coagulation factors such as uh, therefore which leads to the increased pt and ptt and also platelet will be less and fibrinogen level will also be reduced subsequently fibrinolysis leads to the breakdown and there there you see the product of the fibrin degradation that is dimer and also anticoagulant proteins such as cns are consumed patient with dic usually develops bleeding from the vena puncture site and the surgical site ecchymosis and petechia organ damage can also be there renal insufficiency can be there which present as urine output is uh, reduced urine output okay yeah so this is all about this and uh, so let's talk about complement mediated microangiopathy also called as non diural hemolytic uremic syndrome so you understand the fact that hemolytic uremic syndrome can be non diural and it, if it is non diural then there will be a complement mediated microangiopathy okay and it's a hereditary disorders marked by unregulated complement activations and the formation of the platelet rich thrombi although the renal insufficiency is common it does not typically causes the oozing from the vena puncture sites so this is not the answer okay and drug induced thrombocytopenias that is the heparin one so manifestation will be uh will take several one week at least and uh, vitamin k deficiency several clotting factors deficiency can be there but you don't see the vena puncture site uh, oozing from in that case also next question is a 16 year old boy is brought to the office for the pain and levitated motions of the right knee the patient has had several episodes of the sudden swelling in his right knee and does not recall them being associated with injury this current episodes of the knee pain began 6 months ago initially the pain was controlled with heating pads and acetaminophen but it has gradually worsened over the last 2 to 3 months the patient has now difficulty walking he is worried and uh, that he he will unable to play for the annual camping trip unable to go for the annual camping trip okay the patient has an episode of prolonged bleeding after the two extractions he is sexually active as two time life partners and use the condom intermittently temperature is uh, 98 degree fahrenheit but on examination the patient is alert and there is no distress and right knee shows swollen and the boggy with a small effusion present the knee is not fully extendable and is uh, either active or passive motions are reduced which of the following is most likely cause of this patient's joint finding so what i think is he is having hemolytic disorders so autoimmune cartilage disorders no uh, avascular necrosis no chronic borrelia burgdorferi infection no disseminated gonococcal infections i think it can be there but hemosiderin depositions and fibrosis or interarticular crystal deposit and it's not gout so either it may be disseminated gonococcal infections or either it can be hemosiderin deposition fibrosis
So answer is hemosiderin deposition and fibrosis because this patient has hemophilia A and B, which is an X-linked, maybe A and B. So it's an X-linked dissociative disorders, clinical presentation, prolonged bleeding after mild trauma, hemarthrosis, intramuscular hematomas, gastrointestinal, genitive urinary tract bleeding, intraclinal hemorrhage complications includes hemophilic arthropathy. Laboratory finding includes increased activated PTT and uh, PT and uh, platelet count as normal. Absent or decreased factor 8 leads to the hemophilia A and factor 9 leads to hemophilia B. Treatment includes factor replacement and desmopressin for the mild hemophilia. The patient history of excessive bleeding after dental procedures is concerned with hemophilia and excelling recessive bleeding disorders caused by the factor deficiency of the factor 8 A, that is hemophilia A and factor 9 that is hemophilia B. Disease severity varies based on the degree of the factor activity. Often patient present with joint pain, swelling and uh, following a little or no trauma due to spontaneous bleeding into the joints, hemarthrosis, recurrent hemarthrosis seen in this patients can result in a long term complication such as hemophilic arthropathy. Hemophilic arthropathy refers to the joint damage caused by intraarticular bleeding. Hemosiderin depositions occurs within the joint which triggers the synovial inflammation which leads to the fibrosis and destructions of the bone and the cartilage, chronic or worsening joint pain and swelling accompanied by limited mobility on examination although severe hemophilic arthropathies may be visible on the x-rays or mris so yeah how they appears there is a damage to the tissue we can't identify specifically what is the cause but yeah you see damage in the joints allow earlier detections and characteristics degree of the joint damage early prophylaxis with factors concern concentrates can significantly reduce the risk of the developing arthropathy okay Next is the autoimmune cartilage destruction which is seen in rheumatoid arthritis and there is no such finding. Avascular necrosis of head occurs in sickle cell disease, humeral head, okay. Yeah, mainly in the children and also it leads to like carbapathy disease in children of age 4 to 12 years. Next is the Lyons disease caused by Borrelia burgdorferi can involve the large joints such as knee and there will be limited motions but there is no history of uh, Lyons disease and there is no rash too. Disseminated gonococcal infections lead to acute arthritis which present with abrupt onset of the joint and joint pain and swelling. An infection is seen in the patient within 6 months of the symptoms. Okay, And urate and calcium phosphate deposition can cause the gout and the pseudogout respectively. Okay, But both conditions are less common in the child. So this is not the answer. So yeah, we are ending this lecture here only. Thank you so much for listening.